0: Hello and welcome to the Arista Wealth Podcast, where we focus on your finances, wellness, and lifestyle so you can focus on living your dreams. We'll help you navigate through important topics so that you can elevate your life and financial health. Let's get started with your host, Paul Moffat. Hello and welcome to another episode of Arista Podcast. My name is Samantha Foster and I am the Client Communications Coordinator here at Arista Wealth Management. So excited to bring in the 41st episode of our podcast series with an incredibly interesting and highly anticipated topic, which is the Warren Buffett Annual Letter to Berkshire Hathaway Shareholders. We want to break down this letter, not just in the nuts and bolts, but really isolate some of the incredible Truths and advice that Warren so wonderfully pieces into his statement that not only apply to, of course, the shareholders that he's addressing, but truly to everyone. These kind of tokens and takeaways, I think, are fantastic to reflect on our own investments, our own balances, our own perspective on the market. I mean, if anybody is an incredible role model for success in investing and the market. It's Warren Buffett. Um, He is the oracle of Omaha. He has been a tradition of his to publish this letter. And we are so excited to reveal some of these fantastic points for you to take away from the letter without having to Scroll through the entire details yourself. We're here to summarize it and give you those those great takeaway points. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to the fantastic host of this podcast, Paul Moffitt, our CEO and financial planner at Arista Wealth Management.
1: Hello, welcome to the Arista Wealth podcast. We're super excited to have you join us today. Today, I want to just share with you 10 tips from the 2023 Warren Buffett um, annual letter that uh he put out three weeks ago super excited to say that uh in just a few short weeks i'll be uh once again back in omaha uh at the uh big annual shareholder meeting it's a privilege uh to be there every year i've talked about it with many of our listeners um but uh, let me share with you 10 takeaways number one takeaway Warren Buffett was very clear in this year's letter that we need to have a clear and simple goal. He said this, "Our goal in both forms of ownership is to make meaningful investments in businesses with both long-lasting favorable economic characteristics and trustworthy managers." He has said over the years, listeners, it's 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 critical, it's essential to have clear goals that are simple. He also says that when he buys a company, both public or private, that he buys that asset and won't look at the valuation for 10 years. So if you have a Fidelity app or a stock app on your phone and you're checking and clicking on it on an hourly or daily basis, stop it.
0: You know, Paul, that is such a good point there's so many apps now and easy quick ways for us to check information uh, but a lot of times this can be a disadvantage just because we can see things quickly and easily doesn't mean that it's a good thing to do so i mean we see this with social media even and even the addictive nature that it can create when it's just a click away. Um, But it's important for us to remember to have boundaries, especially when it comes to our investments, sticking to our plans, sticking to our strategy, which for the most part, and for most people is long-term. So as convenient as it may feel and as advantageous as modern technology is, keeping your eyes off of that and not being dissuaded from the long-term plan is incredibly important. So what's our second takeaway from Warren Buffett's annual letter?
1: Item number two that he said, uh, he said he is a business picker, not a stock picker. Um, It was really neat what he said. Listen to this paragraph. He says, our goal in both forms of ownership is to make meaningful investments in businesses with both long-lasting favorable economic characteristics and trustworthy managers. Please note, particularly, that we own publicly traded stocks based on our expectations about their long-term business performance. Not because we view them as vehicles for adroit purchases and sales. That point is crucial. He says, Charlie and I are not stock pickers. We are business pickers. He he gave us the warning and um, Charlie Munger spoke about it last year at, the, at last year's annual shareholder meeting uh land blasting and beating up uh you know the 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 stock trading apps that are out there the robin hoods of the world and day trading um he says you know don't 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 get the business of thinking that you can outsmart the market
0: you know this makes me think of kind of a parallel concept a metaphor so to speak uh somewhat recently our hot water heater went out in our home and my husband's first instincts though well-intentioned was to try and do it himself uh and as grateful as i am for that sometimes it's not the best idea to put those important high-risk items that contribute to the value of a long-term asset in your own hands um so yes he looked into how it's done he looked into what parts he needed and at the end of the day we both agreed that trusting a professional was the best decision so that we knew this was in good hands we knew that there was not going to be the same amount of risk And it was just going to be done right the first time around. Um, We don't want to gamble with something as valuable and as important as our home. And likewise, we don't want to gamble or take risks with something as important as our investments. So it's another example of, sure, you can do it yourself. There's opportunities out there to do so. And and sometimes that's advantageous. But when it comes to protecting your future, protecting a future financially for your family, Uh, Sometimes it's best to just trust the professionals and make sure it's done right.
1: Number three, markets are not efficient. He says this, one advantage of our publicly traded segment is that episodically, it becomes easy to buy pieces of wonderful businesses at wonderful prices. It's crucial to understand that stocks often trade at truly foolish prices, both high and low. Efficient markets exist only in the textbooks. In truth, marketable stocks and bonds are baffling. Their behavior usually understandable only in retrospect. He has said that time and time again. He really beats up the stock market. And he says that the stock market, he calls it different names. He calls it a paranoid um, freak. He, he, He calls it names, but it's also created an enormous wealth for him.
0: Oh, undeniably. I mean, Warren Buffett is worth approximately $106 billion, and that makes him the fifth richest person in the entire world. He runs Berkshire Hathaway. He owns a dozen of other companies, including Geico, Duracell, Dairy Queen, the list goes on. And fun fact I learned recently, actually, he is the son of a congressman, and he actually bought his first stock at age 11 and filed his first taxes at age 13. So in essence, it makes him somewhat of a prodigy when it comes to investing, which is truly fascinating. But continuing on, what do we have for number four, Paul? Number
1: four, you can still do very well even with a small number of winners. Lesson, win big and lose small. He says this, at this point, a report card for me is appropriate. In 58 years of Berkshire management, most of my capital allocation decisions have been no better than so-so. In some cases, also bad moves by me have been rescued by very large doses of luck. Our satisfactory results have been the product of about a dozen truly good decisions. So when he buys something, he holds it. But if it's a dog after many years, he does dump it. Number five, be a long-term thinker. The gap, it, this was really interesting. He really beat up um, politicians and legislative uh, bodies about this, truly you know, the U.S. Congress. He says, the gap earnings are 100% misleading when viewed quarterly or even annually. Capital gains, to be sure, have been hugely important to Berkshire over past decades, decades and we expect them to be meaningful, positive in future decades but their quarter-by-quarter gyrations regularly and mindlessly headlined by media totally misinform investors. So, you know, he he just says you've got to be long-term thinking. But as I've said, the biggest struggle for investors right now is thinking long-term in a short-term world.
0: So true, Paul. You know, I hear you say it time and time again that we live in a fast-paced world where everyone is looking for instant gratification. They want to know right now what their future holds and as much as that eagerness is exciting for newer generations and for everyone that the world is definitely moving a lot faster than it used to there's some things that we still need to treat with respect over time and patience um, and patience is definitely a much needed trait when it comes to investing your money and being smart about how you Treat and watch that money grow over time.
1: Number six, invest in yourself. He says this, gains from value, accretive repurchases, it should be emphasized, benefit all owners. In retrospect, when you are told that all repurchases are harmful for shareholders, and this is when he got political, are to the country or particularly beneficial to CEOs, you are listening to either an economic illiterate or a silver tongue demagogue. So that's not a nice term, but that's what he calls politicians. Uh, Listeners, the stock buybacks projected for 2023 already could dwarf $1 trillion. Why is this important? When a corporation makes money, they pay their expenses. They're left over with then a net income before tax. They issue distributions and dividends and then they're left with cash. It's gotta be it's it has to be distributed somewhere, or there's a corporate tax at the C corporation. So what do they do? After they generously reward their key employees, after they pay down their their debt on the time frame, they then reinvest in their own company by buying their own shares. It's a very bullish move, it's a very positive thing.
0: So true, Paul next i'll take number seven uh it's actually one of my favorite quotes from the letter because it doesn't just talk about berkshire and berkshire's history but berkshire's history in relation to the fabric of america and really the importance of longevity in a corporation to be flexible to pivot understand the power of compounding and really get on the american tailwind and create a future not only for that corporation, but for America as a whole. This is where Buffett says, 58 years and a few figures in 1965, Berkshire was a one-trick pony, the owner of a venerable but doomed New England textile operation. With that business on a death march, Berkshire needed an immediate fresh start. Looking back, I was slow to recognize the severity of its problems. And then came a stroke of good luck. National indemnity became available in 1967, and we shifted our resources towards insurance and other non-textile operations. Thus began our journey to 2023, a bumpy road involving a combination of continuous savings by our owners, that is by their retaining earnings, the power of compounding, our avoidance of major mistakes, and most of all, the American tailwind. America would have done fine without Berkshire. The reverse is not true. Berkshire now enjoys major ownership in an unmatched collection of huge and diversified businesses. Let's first look at the 5,000 or so publicly held companies that trade daily on NASDAQ, the NYSE, and related venues. Within this group is housed the members of the S&P 500 Index, an elite collection of large and well-known American companies. In aggregate, the 500 earned $1.8 trillion in 2021.
1: Number eight, cash is a position and keep yourself in a financial position so you don't panic. He says, as for the future, Berkshire will always hold a boatload of cash and U.S. Treasury bills, along with a wide array of businesses. Remember the U.S. Treasury has bills, notes and bonds. Bills are short-term, notes are intermediate, and bonds are long-term. Number nine, always respect risk. This is powerful. I love this quote. Always respect risk. Our CEO will always be the chief risk officer, a task it is irresponsible to delegate. Additionally, our future CEOs will have a significant part of their net worth in Berkshire shares bought with their own money. And yes, our shareholders will continue to save and prosper by retaining earnings.
0: You know, I think that is a great point as well to emphasize the importance of a CEO and that they are in line with being that chief risk officer. I know that, of course, here at Arista Wealth Management, Paul, you take on both of those roles and responsibilities. And I think that is a guiding principle for the CEO, the founder, the head of a company to take on the risk, um, to really take full ownership in what they're putting out there, what the business is creating, the results that it creates, the customer service, and ultimately its its entire brand and success, uh, which personally I think Paul, you do a fantastic job of. Um, that being said, I would love to finish with number 10, which is really about betting on America. Again, it kind of piggybacks off of the last one I spoke about on the American tailwind and embracing paying taxes, embracing that. American establishment that has built us all so much wealth and prosperity over time. In this, he says at Berkshire, we hope and expect to pay much more in taxes during the next decade. We owe the country no less. America's dynamism has made a huge contribution to whatever success Berkshire has achieved. A contribution Berkshire will always need. We count on the American tailwind, and though it has been becalmed from time to time, its propelling force has always returned. I have been investing for 80 years, more than one-third of our country's lifetime. Despite our citizens' penchant, almost enthusiasm, for self-criticism and self-doubt, I have yet to see a time when it made sense to make a long-term bet against America. And I doubt very much that any reader of this letter will have a different experience in the future. I think this is a fantastic takeaway for all of our listeners by the fifth richest person in the world who again began investing at age 11 to tell us all to have some faith, to tell us to remember that America has been and always will be strong and betting on America, betting on the great American tailwind is a successful move. It is yet to be proven otherwise, and it has obviously been proven a successful strategy for Warren Buffett. So that takeaway, I think not only lends into our trust and security in our financial investment within America, but also as citizens of America. Um, I, I, I appreciate that he mentions some turmoil, and there will always the ups and downs of of a country of of a a life um but it's important to remember the long term the overview and the true strength that we have as americans to bond together to persevere and to really shine um throughout time so i i think that's just a fantastic point to end on and a beautiful takeaway for not just of course uh, berkshire but for all of our listeners out there and for anybody who has their reservations about the stability and importance and standing of america
1: let me share with you one final thing at the bottom of page four i've shared this with many of our listeners in our client meetings but he says this that in august of 1994 He did a risky thing. He put $1.3 billion into Coca-Cola, my favorite drink. What did he do? He put $1.3 billion in 1994. Then what did he do? He waited. The dividend from Coca-Cola in 1994 was $75 million. Today, at year end of 2022, I'm quoting Berkshire Hathaway report that 1.3 billion is now worth $25 billion. It's almost grown a billion dollars a year in value. The annual dividend is 704 million. Almost 70% of his original purchase, he's getting back just an annual dividends. And what does he say? All that, that dividend is like an annual birthday. And all that's required of him to do is to go to the bank and cash the dividend check. Four times a year, he's got to go to the bank and deposit annually $704 million. And what did he do? He bought this stock 28 years ago. Listeners, buy quality investments and get out of the way. Check in periodically and get out of the way. And then he followed up at the top of page five, quoting. He also bought American Express one year later, in 1995, put 1.3 billion in. The annual dividend was 41 million. Today, his American Express is worth 22 billion, and he's collecting 302 million in dividends. So I just share that with you. Hope you're having a great day, um, listeners. Please stay tuned. We've got a lot to share with you. And uh, uh please share this with others and we look forward in having you join us on our next episode.
0: This episode of the Arista Wealth podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more advice on your finances, wellness and lifestyle so you can focus on living your dreams. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.